And as they make their way, I'd like you to make your way to Exodus chapter 39 and 40. We are going to wrap up our study through the book of Exodus this week. And starting next week, we're going to jump into the Sermon on the Mount and learn about blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are you when you are persecuted and these kinds of things. So, um, and all the places where Jesus says, you've heard that it was said to the men of old, but I say to you, do this. And uh, that'll be a great study, but we've got this great study to finish up today. And it is a glorious ending, literally a glorious ending, uh, because the glory of God is revealed. It was, in fact, God's plan from the very beginning, from way before the Israelites went down to Egypt. In fact, uh, beginning with Abraham, God tells Abraham, your descendants will be slaves in a land not their own for 400 years, but I will bring them out. So before they ever sent Joseph as a slave down to Egypt, uh, and before he went to prison, and before he was uh, Potiphar's servant, and before uh, the uh, Israelites all followed Joseph down to Egypt, and before the Pharaoh that came after those days forgot conveniently about Joseph and enslaved the whole nation, and before the Red Sea crossing, and before the manna from heaven, and before the golden calf, and before the giving of the law, and before the plans for the tabernacle, and before all those things happened, God had a plan and a purpose. And His purpose was to reveal His glory to His people, and among His people, and to dwell with them as their God, and that they would be His people, and He would be with them as their God. And this is the week when we're going to see that plan of hundreds and hundreds of years back that God had declared that this was going to happen. This is the week we see it happen. So if you've got your Bible, uh, Exodus chapter 39 and 40, we're going to finish uh, chapter 39 and look at chapter 40, all of it today. Um, uh, Beginning verse 32. Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished, and the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its utensils, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases, the covering of tanned ram skins and goat skins and the veil of the screen, the ark of the testimony with its poles and the mercy seat, the table with all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand of pure gold, and its lamps with the lamps set, and all of its utensils, and the oil for the light, the golden altar, the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the entrance of the tent. The bronze altar and its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, and its cords and its pegs, and all the utensils for the service of the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting, the finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So the people of Israel had done all the work, and Moses saw all the work. And behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. And then Moses blessed them. If you look at your outline on the back of your bulletin, what you'll see is that I've titled this section, Blessed Obedience. 
And it occurs to me that those are not often two words that we see stuck together. You know, it's kind of like jumbo shrimp. You know, a lot of times people don't think of these two things as two things that ought to go together. Peacekeeper missile. You know, military intelligence. You know, I mean, all those kinds of things, right? Uh, that kind of maybe don't go together in your mind. Okay? Um, but it, the reality of it is, is that blessing and obedience are radically intertwined in the Scriptures. That God calls us to obey Him by doing what he, His Word says. And I think sometimes we miss that there's a strong connection between obeying God and being blessed by God. And one of the things that you see here in the wider passage that we're looking at today is that God's blessing... And the command to obey Him is both explicit and real. And God's blessings flow from obedience to Him. Jesus says, If you love Me, you will do what I command. And the one who loves Me is the one who does what I say. Conversely, to disobey Jesus is to not love Jesus. Amen? The same thing is true in the Old Testament. The same God who teaches the same principle, that blessing flows from obedience. And disobedience means that you lack God's blessing. Look at verse 32. The people of Israel did according to all the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So the people of Israel had done all of the work. And Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. There was no partial obedience. They didn't follow you know, God's commands on the ark and the tabernacle and just take the remainder as good suggestions. They didn't have a Thomas Jefferson approach to the Bible. You know, Jefferson famously took a pair of scissors and cut out the parts he didn't like. He's like, ah, I'm not going to obey that. Discards. Okay, here we go. Uh, they didn't do that. Uh, and by the way, obedience is the proper response to magnificent, glorious grace. They had seen God's glory in the plagues and the Red Sea. They had seen God's glory revealed in His grace in the manna from heaven. They had seen God's glory in His grace in the fire and smoke on the mountain, in the giving of the law, in the shining face of Moses. And at the beginning, when they were slaves of Pharaoh with nothing to offer God at all, he redeemed them for himself. And he delivered them and he sustained them through the Red Sea and the desert. He forgave them their sin with the golden calf. And he gave them the law again in a special way. So that they could remember the commandments that would help keep them from sinning that way again. And having seen God's glory and God's grace in these things, out of love for the God that had given them so much, they obeyed all that He had commanded them to do. See, obedience to the Lord is not simply something that we do simply because we ought to, in other words. It's the natural response to a heart that is responding to God's revelation of His glory and His grace in your life. 
And as you, as you look at what God has done for you and revealed to you, you go, I need to do what the Lord commands. And when we don't obey God, it's because we have forgotten about God's glory and His grace to us. And we somehow think that we have a better idea and a better plan. But because they understood God's greatness and glory and His marvelous grace to them, they respond with obedience and they are blessed by God for it. And these things still hold true. God's blessings still follow obedience to Him. Amen? They still do. And real heartfelt obedience grows best out of a heart that understands the glory and greatness and grace God. When we understand who God is and how much He has done for us, then we feel that we must obey. Can't help ourselves. We have to. Amen. And then we receive His blessings as a result. Let's read on. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with the veil. And you shall bring in the the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. And you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set up the altar, a burnt offering, before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Then you shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it and all its furniture so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all of its utensils and consecrate the altar so that the altar may become most holy. You shall also anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. And put on Aaron the holy garments, and you shall anoint him and consecrate him, that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also, and put coats on them, and anoint them as you anointed their father, that they may serve me as priest. And their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. Now, if you're a parent, there are three words that are the most hated words in all of parentdom. And they are these. Thumb, assembly, Required. <laughs> now, I, I actually like building things and making things with my hands. And there's a certain sense of accomplishment in seeing the finished product, whether it's, you know, uh, making a fence or, make, or splitting firewood um, or building a Lego kit with one of my boys. But when I see the words, uh, some assembly required, what I usually find is that the directions appear to be written in English, but they are translated, apparently, from someone who wrote them in their native Klingon. Right? And you know those ones, right? And, you, and, and they, they give you instructions about pieces which are not identified. And, and to put them in places which are also not identified on the diagram. Right? And uh, you feel like, I am... I'm not sure that I'm in the seventh circle of hell, but maybe the third or the fourth, right? Uh, As you put this thing together, 
right? But God did not, when He gave some assembly required instructions, be in any way unclear with the Israelites how it was to all go together. And so they put it together exactly how it was supposed to be. He was very specific as to how everything was to be arranged, but they did need to do some assembly. And when he speaks, he speaks so that he can be understood. And, and now that the construction process is all done, uh, it's time to put it all together. And so God gives instructions as to where to put everything. And first, you, he says, first you have to erect the tabernacle proper itself with all of its all of its uh, posts and uh, cross bracing and uh, coverings and screens and so forth that go in inside of that. And then uh, you put the Ark of the Covenant at the back of it, and then there's a veil that goes in front of that, and then in front of the veil on the other side is the altar of incense, and then to the right you've got the uh, table for the bread of the presence, and to the left you've got the... Um, You've got the golden lampstand, and then at the back of that, you've got a screen that screens off the tabernacle proper from the outside. And then on the outside of that, as you move out from that, you've got the wash basin uh, immediately outside the tabernacle itself. And then on the other side of that, between the outer gate and the wash basin, you've got the altar. And then surrounding all of it is this courtyard with a gate on one side, so that people can come in and worship God. And it's all set up. And after it's all done, then the priests need to be dedicated to the Lord's service. Uh, and that was to be um, accomplished by washing them. And there were sacrifices to be offered. In fact, there's a lot of detail on this in Leviticus chapter 8. If you want to read that, it'll fill you in on all of those details of how that all happened. Uh, but there were sacrifices to offer, be offered. The priests had to be consecrated. And then everything in all of the tabernacle had to be anointed with oil and consecrated. And um, the point of all this was to take everything they had built and get it ready to serve the Lord so that His glory could be revealed in their midst. And it is. Here in the last section, I want to read it with you. This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. Put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil, the veil and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle, and he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering 
and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and put their feet. And when they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. Now those of you who are married... Let me ask you, what did you do for your most recent anniversary? Go out to dinner? Maybe you got a little romantic getaway? Maybe you, um, maybe you were really sacrificial and said, Honey, it's your time, it's your turn to have the clicker tonight, all right? Uh, I don't know what you did, right? But it's good to do some romantic things if you're a married couple. You want to, um, by the way, gentlemen, Valentine's Day is coming up Saturday. Don't miss it. It's important, all right? Um, At least get a card, some flowers, candy, something, okay? Tell her you love her and that you're glad that she put up with you all these years, all right? Good to do that. Um, but whatever you do on your anniversary, I'll assure you that one thing did not happen uh, is what happened here on the anniversary day of Israel being rescued from the land of Egypt. Twelve months to the very day from the day that they departed on Passover night, on the first day of the first month, they got out of Egypt. And on that anniversary day, they set up the tabernacle and they consecrated the priests and they offered the sacrifices that were required for the consecration of the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord descended in that place. And God's purpose for the redemption of His people way back, that was, that was planned way back before even, I believe, for the world was created. God had planned the redemption of His people, Israel, out of slavery in Egypt. And here is the day that His purpose for them is fulfilled, that He dwells among them as their God, and they dwell with Him as His people. And the glory of the Lord is revealed to everyone. You can literally see it. And He is bringing life and light all his people, but it didn't happen to the very end. You notice that? It didn't happen to the very end. Forty chapters we've looked at. This is my 40th sermon on this book. Okay? And they had to wait to the very end for it to happen. Look at how it happened. 
Moses erected the tabernacle proper at the beginning of the first day of the first month, just as God commanded. But God's glory didn't come. And then he put the Ark of the Covenant in there, in the Holy of Holies, and covered it with the veil in front of it, but God's glory still didn't come. And he put the table for the bread of the presence in its place in the holy place on the other side of the veil and put the consecrated bread on it, just as God commanded, but God's glory didn't come. And next Moses put the golden lampstand in its place in the holy place and lit the lamps, but God's glory did not come. And then he put the altar of incense in front of the veil and burned fragrant incense on it, just as he was supposed to. But God's glory still didn't come. And he put up the screen for the outer door of the tabernacle proper, but God's glory did not arrive. And he set up the altar where it should be, but God's glory didn't come. And he put the wash basin there, and he filled it with water and cleansed the priests, but God's glory did not come. And he erected the outer courtyard and the entry gate, and the tabernacle was finished. And you know what happened then? Then God's glory was revealed and God's presence filled the tabernacle in such a way that not even Moses think about that read what your what the Bible says there and Moses was not able to enter the tab, the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle you remember back six chapters I know that's a long time but six chapters ago Moses is permitted to stand on the mountain and see the afterglow of God's glory passing by. And God proclaims His name and hides Moses in the hollow in the rock. And He says, I'm going to proclaim My name and I'm, I'm going to tell you about My greatness and glory. And He says, the Lord, the Lord, the Almighty, the One who proclaims steadfast love to a thousand generations those who love me and yet does not leave the guilty unpunished to punish the sins of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation until evil is completely dealt with Moses saw all that he met with God in such a way that his face would shine with the reflected glory of the presence of God and yet when the tabernacle is completed and God's glory comes down Moses is not allowed to enter in. Why? Because the full radiance of the glory of God is present here in a way that not even Moses, as great and good as he was, is able to enter in. And the only way then to approach God is through sacrifice of a better mediator than Moses. And they, the people have entered into a new phase in their relationship with God. Uh, they saw His glory and they followed Him wherever He went. Wherever they went throughout the days in the desert, they had the glory of God lighting the way. They had a cloud in the daytime, which what do you want in the desert in the daytime? Shade. And what do you want at night? Heat and light. And they had both. They had shade in the daytime. They had heat and light at night. And the glory of God was revealed in their midst. And they could literally see the glory of God wherever they were. 
And they knew that God was really among them. And that whenever the cloud would lift off, they would set out. And wherever it would stop, that's where they would make camp. And the glory of God would descend in, um, in their midst. And they could see that He was there among them. And it was an amazing thing. And God redeemed His people so that His glory might be revealed. And that's the conclusion, really, to their story. Until they get into the land. Of how God had redeemed them. So that His glory might be revealed among them. But here's the reality. Their story is also our story. We too were once in slavery to sin and death, obeying the commands of a much worse despot than Pharaoh. We were enslaved to the old serpent, the devil, the Bible calls him. Yet through the blood of the Lamb spread over our lives, God passed over our sin and brought us out of slavery and into relationship with Him. And so therefore we are no longer subject to sin and its penalty of death. We no longer live our lives under sin's power because we have a new master. Amen? We have cast off the old one and we have a new master, Jesus Christ, the righteous one who set us free to serve Him. And just like the Israelites responded to God's greatness and His grace with obedience and received God's blessing as a result, so we too are called as even greater witnesses of God's greater grace and His greater glory revealed in Jesus Christ to obey what He has commanded and to receive His blessing as a result. And just as when all their work was done, they dwelt in the presence of God as His glory was revealed, that is coming for us too. Amen? Only ours will be better. There is a day coming when all of our work will be done. As the song goes, I'm going to lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside. I'm not going to study war no more. Right? I'm going to lay my burdens down, down by the riverside, and I'm not going to labor anymore. I'm going to go into the presence of God. I'm going to cross over Jordan into the promised land. Amen? And all those who believe in Jesus Christ are going to do the same thing. We're going to have followed the greatness and glory revealed of Jesus Christ in our lives, and we're going to walk with Him day by day, and wherever He stops, we are going to stop. And wherever He leads, we're going to follow. And one day, He's going to lead us into His presence. And His glory will be revealed to us in a way we have never known. And it will be glory greater than anyone in the Old Testament ever saw with their physical eyes. Amen? That day is coming. And God's purposes have not changed. He has always been about the business of redeeming people for Himself that He might reveal His glory in them and to them that they might be His people and that He might be their God. And this tabernacle that we've spent so much time laboring and studying and discussing is just a copy of the heavenly tabernacle 
And these things are just a shadow of the, the, the good things that are to be revealed to us and in us. And they point us to Jesus Christ. And one day we will experience the glory of God that these people just got a taste of. Just a little corner of it. We will experience in its fullness. That day is coming if you are among the people of God. So I've got two questions for you. Number one, are you among the people of God? Are you among the people of God? Have you by faith, in response to God's grace, put your trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation? If the answer to that question is yes, then our response ought to be to do as they did and worship God in obedience. Amen? To do the things that God calls us to do because we have been redeemed and bought with the blood of the Lamb, no less than they. In fact, far more than they. On the other hand, if the answer is no, or I'm not sure, or I'm still on that journey, I don't really know Jesus Christ, and I'm not sure that when my heart stops beating and my uh, last brainwave fires, that where I will open my eyes and wake up, then can I plead with you and invite you and tell you that today is the day. Amen? Today is the day to escape from slavery to sin and death, to escape the power of sin reigning over your life, to escape the penalty of sin, of death and hell, and to enter into the greatness and glory and joy of the people of God. And there's one way to do it. It's very simple. That you put your trust in Jesus Christ you believe some very important things about him, that he is the Son of God who became a man so that he was perfect God and perfect man, united in one person forever, so that he could retain his full deity and yet as a fully human being die as a substitute for you and your sin. And then because he is God, be raised from the dead and triumph over the penalty of sin, which is death. And so Jesus Christ died in your place and was raised from the dead to give you new life. And at the moment you say to God, I am placing my trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone for my salvation. Because He is the only means that you have provided to be reconciled to you and to be at peace with you then at that very instant, you have, the Bible says, pass out of death into life and receive the promises of God, membership in the family of God, and will one day receive, as the Scripture says, a rich welcome into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And so if you've never done that, today is the day. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, stay afterwards, grab a hold of me, and ask me what I'm talking about. And I'll explain. And I'll explain as long as you need to have it explained. Longer. 
Okay? People who've been here a while know I like to talk. I do. I don't apologize for that. Love to talk the most, though, to people about Jesus. That's my favorite topic. I've given my life to that. Talk to people about Jesus Christ and how to know Him and how to walk with Him and how to grow in a relationship with Him. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, stay afterward. Grab me. Say, I, I need to know right now today, before I go home, I need to know Jesus Christ. And there's more than me who can do it. Mark Swanson, raise your hand. He can do it. <laughs> Rick Velock, raise your hand. He can do it, <laughs> okay? In fact, most of the people here are capable of doing that. I pick on those guys, they're part of our elder board, okay? They have to know how to do that. Don't go home without knowing Jesus Christ so that you might see His glory revealed in your life just as Israel saw it revealed in theirs. Amen? Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, I pray that, dur that during this time that we have worshipped You together, that Your glory was revealed to us and that we, in return, brought praise and honor to You with our hearts and lives. Father, I do pray if anyone is here who has never known You, that today for them would be the day of salvation when they would receive the new life that is only found in Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that, that though my words are many and I do my best to explain, that Your Word would speak clearly to their heart. and That they would know You. And that those of us who know You already would worship You with celebration and with obedience. Because we have seen Your glory and Your greatness and Your grace revealed to us day by day by day. And we know that there is a day coming when your greatness will be fully unveiled to us. And we will stand before you with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God. Father, we look forward to that day. May we anticipate it today with praise. In Jesus' name, amen.